Yeah, I'm riding solo this week. My co-host is MIA for some reason. I'm sure I'll find find out about that later. Um, but we've got a lot of AI news this week. I know, big surprise. And you know, I'm gonna I'm a bash on it. I am um, because it's kind of stupid, frankly. Um, then we've got a couple of stories about my favorite billionaire. If you couldn't tell, I'm being completely sarcastic there. Yeah. A um, couple of stories about Elon. Woohoo. Then we've got the FTC going after Amazon. Yay. Then we've got the SEC trying to do net neutrality again. Uh, uh, nonsense. Anyway, um, and then we've got well, internet for all. What's that all about? Well, it's basically a municipal area network that's a mesh network. You may have heard of mesh networking in relation to your your own home hotspots. But this takes that idea and blows it up to potentially the size of a city, specifically New York City, um, is what the article is really focused on. But there are other groups doing the same sorts of things elsewhere in the United States. Pretty cool, kind of communistic, but cool. I know. Seems contradictory, but it takes power away from the big ISPs, at least to a certain extent, which I'm all for. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into it, shall we? So first things first, we've got uh, SpaceX getting the DoD communications contract. Well, this one... (laughs) Yeah, Elon kind of got lucky here. I mean, it's honestly not that big of a contract. It's only $70 million, roughly. Um, Yeah, so basically the military is going to start using Starlink, (laughs) which I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I mean, at least... Elon had the good sense to not partner with Ukraine when they tried to get him to give them free satellite internet access. Um, But, yeah, I don't trust this dude. I know, I've said it many times. And I'll probably say it many more times. Because, for some reason, the media loves to talk about what this clown gets up to. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It's just... Yeah. Um, so he says that this military communications thing will will st- stay siloed from the rest of the Starlink network. Um, so what does that mean? Well, that means it's going to be separated somehow. So you're not you shouldn't be having overlap, right? 
we'll see how that goes. Um, he says, Starlink needs to be a civilian network, not a participant to combat. Starshield will be owned by the U.S. government and controlled by the DOD Space Force. <laughs> this is the right order of things. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how this goes, guys. Um, personally, I think satellite communications is kind of dumb. When the latent, no matter how hard they work at it, no matter how hard they work at it, you've got extra miles of latency versus even terrestrial 5G. Okay? Um, and even terrestrial 5G isn't great for latency just due to the nature of what it is. So what is it? Well, it's a wireless connection. That's why it's best if you're hardline into your internet connection to do streaming. Or if you're going to be gaming competitively because the, the lag spikes that's directly correlated to latency, guys. Um, yeah, it's, it's messy because it's not a stable connection as such. You can do, like, there's only so much you can do to make a wireless connection stable in terms of latency. And stable latency for a wireless connection uh, is going to be much higher than a hardline connection for a, a bandwidth connection of the same bandwidth. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of dumb to me. Honestly, um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, at least in terms of anything more than like streaming Netflix or checking email, like general browsing, general streaming. Fine, because that's not latency sensitive. When you're talking about trying to do real time communication, whether that's VOIP, whether that's something like um, a Teams meeting or Zoom or you know, fill in the blank. It's a very latency sensitive thing. And when you have a latency spike, the, the connection gets shaky. That's when you start seeing garbled audio. That's when you start getting garbled video. It gets ugly fast, guys. It really does. Um, yeah. Moving on, though. I've bagged on Elon enough for now. On to AI shenanigans. By the way, if you're using Bard, don't, number one. But if you're using Bard, you should be aware that it's been indexing some of your conversation snippets. So people can actually search for your barred communications. Um, yeah. That sounds like a really bad thing to me. I don't know, you guys. I don't know. It, it, it just seems like a bad thing. Um, especially when 
you consider privacy. But then, oh yeah, that's right. Microsoft, when they bought OpenAI, was like, well, privacy and security we can work out later. We need to get this moving as soon as we can. So now we're in the Wild West when it comes to generative AI. And with that said, with that said, it's, I mean, it's such a mess, you guys. It's not even funny. Yeah, they've started to index share conversation URLs from Bard. Now, when this researcher found that and pointed it out on X, um, Twitter, come on. Anyway, um, sorry, he's not a researcher. He's an SEO consultant. Uh, When he pointed it out, Google slash Alphabet decided, oh, well, we better cover our tracks quick. Oh, we're we're working on this. It's not it's not an issue anymore, guys. <laughs> As if Bard and ChatGPT weren't enough, the CIA wants to get their own action. <laughs> now, this is not for public use, mind you. This is not for public use. This is so that the three-letter agencies can parse all the data that they're scraping from your internet connection more easily so that your FBI agent can track your memes more easily and can make sure that you're still being deviant from... (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't do... I can't do this with a straight face. Um, To make sure that you're still you know, of, of the mind to speak against the narrative. Okay. Yeah. So the CIA is trying to build out its own chat bot. Um, does that terrify you? Cause it kind of freaks me out. Then again, I don't like these chat bots anyway. Um, I think they're, ill-advised at best and a shameless ploy to get more of our data at worst. Oh yeah. And not only that, but to make us not use our brains for mundane routine tasks anymore. We just call up ChatGPT or Bing or, you know, what have you and say, Hey, Write this stupid email for me, or schedule a flight for me, or, you know, whatever. The sort, of, the sort of stuff that just sort of takes time that you don't really want to deal with. But we need that brain activity to keep ourselves sharp, right? At least that makes sense to me, anyway. So, yeah, I... The fact that the CIA is trying to directly create its own chatbot for its agents. (laughs) So, wait, does that mean that its agents and analysts are that much more 
stupid than they should be? Well, then again, consider who I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, yeah. Oh, and if you're an AI researcher, you could get a job with the CIA to create this tool. <laughs> Yay! Mm-hmm. Oh, and just like with ChatGPT, if you don't want Google using your website to train Bard, you can tell them to F off. Allegedly. All you gotta do is edit your robots.com txt file on your website and add a string that's actually very similar to the one for ChatGPT. just instead of it being ChatGPT, you're disallowing it's called google dash extended um from scraping your site allegedly we'll see we'll see how effective this is but you know when ChatGPT allowed sites to block their web crawler. Um, over almost 250 of the most popular sites in the world jumped on that, including mine. Not that mine's that popular, but you know, TyFreedom.pro. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you guys. All I'm saying is don't, don't use these tools. They're a privacy nightmare. They're a security nightmare and they're inconsistent at best. I mean, sure, you can do some cool things with them. Don't, don't get me wrong, but is it worth it? Is it worth it to give these mega corporations, these big tech corporations, that much more of your data just for being able to do something cool? To me, no. And oh boy, Meta, they're like, hey guys, um, look at us. We're, we're doing AI stuff too, guys. We're still relevant. Even though Meta itself is kind of dead Good riddance. Good riddance. Like, I remember when Facebook first started, you guys. It was actually kind of cool. Then, over time, everybody got addicted. And then it came out that Facebook was just a rebrand for the CIA life log. And which was basically a ploy by the, U, by the CIA to legally, because you signed up for this thing, right? But to legally gather data on U.S. citizens who otherwise have not, were not, you know, people of interest. Right, sure. Um, so yeah, here's what Meta's doing. rolling out a chatbot with real pre- real people personalities uh, 
most of these people I don't even recognize. Like Chris Paul, sure. Uh, Dwayne Wade, yeah. Kendall Jenner, Mr. Beast, <laughs> Paris Hilton. She's still a thing. Um, and Snoop Dogg and Tom Brady. Right. Okay. So yeah, I really want to talk to a chatbot that's powered by these people. Sure, I do, because I really want to give Zuck more data. Right. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a great idea. Not. I mean, on the other hand, on the other hand, Llama Two, which is the the model that this. Is, the large language model that this is based on is open source, at least partially. Um, so maybe that's a step in the right direction, but eh. I'm, I'm loth to give Zuck any credit here. Number one, he's not that bright. Number two, he's a tool. And number three, he's creepy AF. So yeah. You do the math. If those things add up to, yeah, I want to give him more of my data, then go right ahead. If not, then don't. Don't even try these things because I don't think it's worth it. And oh, by the way, ChatGPT can browse the internet live again. Oh boy. So. It used to be that it was limited to, I think it was data from about two years ago now. Then they quietly allowed some users to start live browsing the internet through Bing in ChatGPT. So ChatGPT could get more, well, actually real-time information for people. Which, eh, learn to research, guys. Learn to research. Um, like, seriously, learn to research. You'll wind up doing better than ChatGPT can. Yeah, it's work. It's time. But it's worth it. Um, and then there was outrage from authors and such people who had their content online but behind paywalls because they they realized that there were chat gpt users that, that were bing search users who were able to bypass the paywall by using chat gpt do a little end around people like oh sarah silverman george R. R. martin um and others. Uh, not that I really care about either of their works, but I I do care about intellectual property. I think it's a thing, and I think it's part of what has made the United States what it is. Now, Connor, who unfortunately is not alongside today, um, has a very different take on these issues than I do. And that's okay. He's a little communist that way. But then 
at the same time, he's probably more capitalistic than I am. So I don't understand him that way. But that's beside the point. So, yeah. Um, the last couple months after the Silverman lawsuit, OpenAI decided to cut that capability off. Now they're starting to roll it back out. First for their Plus and Enterprise users, and then finally to the rest of, the rest of the plebs, right? So the feature is called Browse with Bing. And it works directly within the normal Bing chat window, notifying the user when it's looking up information from the web and providing citation links with its answers. See, this is research. These are things that we should be doing ourselves. For real. Um, But they want to encourage us to outsource our brains. That sounds like a bad idea to me. I don't know. What do you guys think? (laughs) Um, Yeah. This just sounds stupid, frankly. Um, So yeah. Moving on from AI nonsense, AI shenanigans, on to the FCC part. Well, I've, I've lost track how many times they've tried to do net neutrality or undo net neutrality or, you know, whatever. So what is net neutrality? On its surface, it sounds like a great idea. But as with most leftist policies, once you look through the veneer, it gets real ugly. And this actually seeks to solve a problem that has already been solved in large part. I'm not saying that the ISPs are perfect in this now, but because their feet were held to the fire, they're not quite so onerous in their data caps and things like that. Um, They're not going to slow you down just because you're doing 4K streaming. Necessarily. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, net neutrality. It's complex, but not. So, what is net neutrality? Net neutrality is basically the idea that the internet should be, quote, neutral. In other words, ISPs shouldn't be able to throttle you because either you've used too much data, you live in the wrong places, or they don't like what you're doing with the data you're using. Okay? So net neutrality would create a new government bureaucracy, well, or re-empower a government bureaucracy. And if you guys have been around for any amount of time, you know those words don't belong together in my lexicon. In my vocabulary, those things don't belong together. 
more government bureaucracy, eh, you lost me. Okay. So yeah, Rosen Orsell, who's the SEC chair, has been campaigning for net neutrality for years, probably a decade at this point. And as usual, on the surface, it sounds great. It's wonderful because it's it's sunshine and roses and puppy dog tails and the internet should be open. Yeah, but who gets to make it open? Who um, who watches the watchers? And the deeper you get into that, the more dystopian it gets. <laughs> I, I wish it weren't that. I wish it weren't that way. I really do because. And like I said, as I was introing this piece. Um, on its surface, it sounds like a good thing because you don't want your ISP, whether it be Verizon, whether it be AT&T, whether it be T-Mobile if you're using home internet, or um, Cox, or Time Warner, or Comcast, or Spectrum, or Earthlink, uh, CenturyLink, whatever, you know, these big ISPs. Or even your your tiny little podunk ones, right? It doesn't matter. They shouldn't be able to limit you is what they're arguing with net neutrality. Now, that's not saying that there shouldn't be different tiers for different amounts of bandwidth. That's not what this is about. This is about throttling. Okay. And back in the day, there were issues. And they're trying to make broadband into a Title II common carrier thing. But that gives the central government too much power. It allows the feds to go, oh, you're not, you're not obeying the rules. So we're going to smack you. And where does that smack wind up actually landing? Right here. Because anytime you go after a, a, a company with a lot of with a lot of customers, they're going to pass those fines. They're going to pass those essentially taxes on down to the public on down to their user base because why would they carry them? Which is going to ultimately make your internet connection that much more expensive. Does that sound like a good thing? Because last I checked, broadband in this country is overpriced anyway. It's necessary, don't get me wrong. Well, I'm, I might just
<laughs> anyway, guys, um, might just get uh, Connor in here after all. We'll see. Um, Oh, yes, net neutrality. <laughs> so this has been a hot button issue for very good reasons. Very good reasons. Like, seriously, guys. Um, these are huge issues. Um... Because when you start limiting, when you start limiting things that way, when you start adding more complexity, you're going to wind up with more struggle. more struggle you create more complexity and with more complexity causes brings more opportunity for problems and what do I mean by problems well the problems I'm talking about are directly related to Sorry, I'm <laughs> adjusting and trying to get things set. So when if <laughs> when if Connor is able to jump in, uh, you'll be able to hear him easily. Anyway, um, anyway, I digress. Where was I? So yeah, basically net neutrality gives the federal government too much power, in my opinion. And they don't do well with power. It winds up being very dystopian in relatively short order. 
I mean, I wish it weren't that way, but that's human nature. If you give If you give humans too much power over other humans, you lead to big problems. You lead to destruction, ultimately. And I don't know about you, but as broken as this country is, I don't really want it, want to see it get more dystopian, more broken. Do you? And to me, net neutrality and any other policy that creates more power with the central government, with the federal government, is a problem. Now, I have to be slightly pragmatic about this because like John Adams said, Our Constitution is sufficient for governing... Anyway, it's sufficient for governing a moral people. And holy... Let let me look up the, the quote. Anyway, so he said in seventeen ninety eight, wow, two hundred and twenty five years ago, anyway. Uh, almost 225 years ago, he said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Last I checked, we've become decidedly less religious and far less moral than we were when he made that statement. Now, That's not to say that it was some sort of utopia, because it wasn't. There was a lot of nasty stuff that was happening. There were many, and I do mean many, um, Masons involved with the founding of America. You could argue that it was a, a Masonic experiment. But that's not my point here. My point is that without the guardrails, that's a buzzword these days, isn't it? Without the guardrails of religious belief, without the guardrails of Christian morality, our country is falling apart because there's nothing to hold it together anymore. There's almost no commonality other than commonality of place. And it's the, whatever cohesion there was up until 50s, 60s, even 70s in our, 
in our nation. It was, it's been intentionally dismembered over the last 50, 60, 70 years. I'm, I'm reminded of that KGB defector. I'm sure you got, anybody watching me has probably seen that clip. Yuri Bezmenov um, was, he defected back in the 80s, back in the mid 80s. And he told us their plan. And it's chilling because we're living it. That's why it seems that's why it feels like if you're familiar with classic sci-fi novels at all. Um well, I suppose those aren't technically sci-fi, are they? Just classic novels. George Orwell. That's why it feels like we're living in the in, in a mix of Animal Farm and 1984. Um I'm kind of done with that though. Aren't you? I'm, in fact, I'm really, really done with it. Um, Because the truth is that according to our constitution, all men and women are created equal, endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights. Among them are liberty, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I have seen over the course of my life our liberties be curtailed um, through pleas for greater security. Like, I'm... I know I'm a nerd. I'm going to make a Star Wars reference. It reminds me of in episode two when the Senate makes the decision to empower Palpatine with emergency powers. And he swears up and down he'll give, he'll surrender as soon as the current crisis is, is resolved. He never does. He becomes the emperor and reorganizes the Galactic Republic into the first first Galactic Empire. <laughs> and you guys we're we're kind of there. Like I don't want to put too fine a point on the Ukraine situation, but there's it's been a long measured series of Hegelian dialectic cycles where they create a problem, offer a solution. We take the solution, so that gives them permission to create another problem to curtail our freedoms, our liberties that much more. You know, that whole thing that W did with the the Patriot Act. That beefed up 
the three-letter agency's ability to spy on Americans without due process, without a warrant, that took what they had and spiked it to the moon because everybody was so spooked over terrorism, which was created by the people behind W and the people behind Obama. And Clinton, for that matter. Probably Carter. Likely Reagan. I mean, they they kind of gave us a break during Reagan. But even Reagan was was constantly fighting. I mean, you had Granada during Reagan. Um and the beginning of all the mess in Serbia. Well, actually that was more Papa Bush, but anyway. My point is it's been we've been we've been skiing downhill, guys. And the slope is getting so slick that I don't know if we can stop before we hit the bottom. That's scary. For me, net neutrality is just such a thing. Because as I said earlier, these ISPs aren't doing uh, as much of the throttling. They're not. Because there's been outcry for 20 years now. So is this a solution looking for a problem? Not entirely, but then you have to remember that with the FCC, you don't become a commissioner with the FCC. You don't get on the board without having been embedded within the telco industry for years. There's a giant revolving door and it's not just with the FCC. It's across the board in these um, in these bureaucratic systems. And people go from government appointment to cushy sea level executive, back to government appointment, back to sea level executive. And they think that we're none the wiser. How is it that it is constantly getting worse for we the people? If these people are supposed to be advocating for us, if they're supposed to be protecting us from these big bad companies, because they're not. (laughs) Because we live in the fascist states of America. Uh-oh. And I, I, I use that term on purpose and properly, thank you. What is fascism? It's sort of like socialism light, where the government owns all the means of production. And, but, you know, people, people still get to have private property to some extent under fascism. But there's this... unholy union 
between big business and big government. And we're living there. We are. And Rosenworcel may, may not have been one of these who, um, worked in telco, but she was allegedly a, uh, a consumer advocate, whatever the heck that means. Um, now given here in, here in Kamafornistan, um, we have our own version of net neutrality. Honestly, I haven't seen that much difference. I haven't. Um, I don't know. Now, Rosenworcel isn't talking about ancient stuff, guys. Um, she's focusing on current exposure to other broadband risks. I mean, technically Comcast was, I'm probably going to catch flack for this. Um, Comcast was probably right in blocking BitTorrent because BitTorrent is often used for, um, piracy, which last I checked, is illegal, you know, due to that whole intellectual property thing. Now, I have probably a larger band of gray area around that than many people who are, who stand for intellectual property rights. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want to get myself in trouble, but yeah, it's, uh, it's gray for me. Um, then, oh, I do kind of remember, uh, the debacle with AT&T restricting FaceTime video calls. And I laughed because I wasn't an Apple user. Haven't been an Apple user. Unlike Georgian boy genius. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's like it, are there genuine exposures to risks? I don't know. And maybe I haven't felt it because California has its own net neutrality laws. I don't know. And that's not to espouse California's policy decisions. Not in the least. I can't stand most of the governors that have been in office for my entire life. Um, From Jerry Brown to Gray Davis to Schwarzenegger, who was as much a political girly man as Gray Davis, by the way. Then back to Gray Davis then back to Jerry Brown and now grew some nuisance. 
um, who I also like to call Anyway, who I like to call Greaseball, Governor Greaseball. Um, these leftists, these government mafiosos, because most of them are in the same family. I mean, Gray wasn't technically in the family, but um, he may as well have been. And he never should have been governor he did decently as a lieutenant governor maybe depending on who you ask but as a governor he was god awful that's why he was recalled and how we wound up with the governator (laughs) oh Jesus Um, but yeah the, the policy decisions for the California executive and legislative branches have been atrocious for at least 25 years, if not 30, if not longer. And yeah, so don't ever hear me say that I'm pro anything from California because it's, it's not good. It's just not. Um, I wish it were. I wish it weren't the case that it's god-awful. But it is. And for me, net neutrality exemplifies that. So, this needs to be opposed. Because it's yet another power grab by the federal government. And the only reason that Rosenworcel thinks that she can get it done, by the way, is because she feels like she has the Democrat backing on the FCC board because it's finally imbalanced again. And, you know, I would say that it was imbalanced even with Ajit Pai as the, you know, as the chairperson. Um, even though I liked a lot of the things that he did while he was chairperson, while he was chairman. Um, yeah, I could rabbit on about this for a while, but I think I'm going to move on. Um, We've got Amazon getting sued. Woohoo! This is this is good stuff right here. Um, yeah. Newsflash, guys. Amazon is a monopoly. Consider how many fingers they have and how many different e-related pies. You've got e-commerce. I mean my God, the Amazon marketplace is easily the biggest in the world. It's, it's impressive, but if as a, if as a marketplace user, 
you figure out that you can sell the same the same stuff for cheaper elsewhere and Amazon catches wind of it, you're basically going to get delisted off of Amazon. So if you want your products in front of as many eyes as you can, you're basically stuck with Amazon. Does that sound like a benefit? Does that sound like a good thing to you? Because it doesn't to me and it doesn't to the FTC. Um, Then, of course, you've got all the dark patterns, which we've talked about ad nauseum in the past. So the FTC, along with 17 states' attorneys general, are suing Amazon for illegally maintaining monopoly power in the e-commerce market. They're claiming that the company's business practices are blocking competition, resulting in higher higher prices and less selection for consumers. Yes, that's by definition the... That is the definition of a monopoly. The lawsuit threatens to disrupt the the company's business. The FTC is demanding a U.S. federal court force the e-commerce giant to cease its unlawful conduct in effort to pry loose Amazon's monopolistic control. So, then you get into all of the Amazon Essentials products. I don't know. This, like, as much as I hate big government, I hate abusive big tech as well. So, when they're at odds... This seems like a good thing. Um, so I mentioned the the third party merchants thing. Um, other tactics have involved the product search. The results can be flooded with paid sponsored ads while offering preference to Amazon's first party products, Amazon Essentials. Um, The results saddle consumers with less choice and inflated prices because you can't compare it. Or at least not easily. Um, While burdening third-party merchants with little choice but to abide the company's policies or risk losing business. Amazon is exploiting its monopoly power to enrich itself while raising prices and degrading service for its consumers. In a statement... Amazon denied the allegations. Of course. Why would they admit it? That would be dumb. They're, and, and they're like, the FTC has radically departed from its mission of protecting customers, consumers and competition. <laughs> I mean, we'll see how this goes, you guys. I... I have to admit that I'm one of the millions of Prime subscribers. I don't use, like, I don't use it anywhere near as much as I used to. Um, like, I don't even use Prime Video anymore. I used to use Prime Music. Not anymore. Um, I realized that I didn't need that that kind of streaming because it wasn't worth it to give them that much more data about my preferences. And 
Most of the things in front of me were bought on Amazon. From this old computer that I stream from, to the table that it's sitting on, to the laptop riser that it sits on, to my webcam. Actually, the, uh, the tripod was not. The tripod was a gift um, many moons ago. But you get the point. Shoot, my studio lights, my green screen background, all from Amazon. In years gone by. So I'm a hypocrite when it comes to Amazon. I admit it readily. But I haven't found a solid alternative yet. I wish. I wish I had. I wish one really existed at this point. And as soon as one does, I'll jump in a heartbeat. But yeah. Um, so I want to see Amazon get beat up. I, I would love to see them get split up like Ma Bell was. Though that didn't last very long. Because AT&T... Yeah. Then AT&T became the phone company with the DSL stuff. Then it got split up from the wireless. And then somehow they were allowed to merge back together again. Which I, I've never understood. Um, maybe you guys can help me understand that one. Because uh, I thought when a company was broken up, it wasn't allowed to sort of reintegrate itself. I don't know. But yet here we are, and AT&T is just as big, if not bigger than it was, you know, 25 years ago. So, I don't know. Maybe the FTC is too politicized. Probably. Probably. Um, anyway, moving on. We've got uh, X doing something moderately helpful and useful. Um, they cut out about half of their election integrity team, <laughs> which of course makes the EU very nervous. So, yeah, it, it makes me chuckle, I have to admit. Um, I, you know, I've said it again, I, I'll say it again, and I've said it many times, I don't trust Elon. But when he does stuff like this, it makes me, it makes me want to trust him. It makes me want to trust him. But then I, then I remind myself of Neuralink. Then I remind myself of what he's trying to do with Starlink. And then I look at X, formerly Twitter. Number one, what kind of a rebrand is that? What the absolute crap? Like, I was never a Twitter user. Like, I had a handle, but I, I don't think I... I don't even think I posted once. Like I signed up for one over 10 years ago, something like that, and just never did anything with it. Partially because I just couldn't see myself being 
that terse. I know, big shock that I would be long-winded. <laughs> um, but yeah, X has now cut over half of its election integrity team, including the head of the group. <laughs> and this article just kind of, he's being mean. And, and there's misinformation and disinformation all over X and too bad. Like, I don't, like I said, I don't trust it. I won't use it. Shoot, I could probably grow the channel quite a bit if I, if I jumped on X. I'm not going to. Um, and the irony, the, the, the delicious irony, is that just the other day, Linda Yaccarino said X was planning to expo- expand its safety and election teams around the world. Oh, this is hilarious. So, yeah. Musk is like, oh, you mean the election integrity team that was undermining election integrity? Yeah, they're gone. This is... It's just delicious, delicious. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's just it's comedy to me at this point. Um, because like with every other form of leftist nonsense, speak. Um, Anytime the left says it's one thing, it's always the opposite. It's like in their rule book or something. I don't know. And <laughs> like it's it's hilarious to me, to be honest. It's just funny. And Yeah, that's kind of all there is to it. And honestly, I think I think Elon is trying to nuke the company. Like he took it private on purpose. And all this all this noise all this noise about making people pay to use the platform. Honestly, that should have been a thing 10 years ago. It would have cleaned things up substantially. Now given that that runs counter to the to the ethos of the internet. This communist communistic utopian idea that everything should be free. Information should be free, man. Well, to a certain extent, yes. I agree. Do I think the government should be keeping secrets from its people? No. But that's why FOIA exists. I digress. So, yeah. A little bit more from Elon World. And I have to give him a thumbs up on this one. 
because he got rid of some of the most virulent numbnuts from his company. And Internet for All Mesh Networking. This is talk about utopian. Like, I see so many potential issues with this. I mean, when I when I was first looking at this, I went, wait a minute. If they're just doing these, like, point-to-point mesh networking nodes, then how is it that individual devices are connecting to it? How is that secure? How is that private? I mean, they don't gather any user data, which, yes, thank you. This is, if you couldn't tell, this is in New York City. The Brooklyn Bridge behind there. Um, And the Freedom Teller. (laughs) Anyway. So, I think this is a beautiful thing. I think it can be easily abused. I think it can be made a lot better than it is. Um, So, Number one, I should probably define what a mesh network is. So this is going to get technical. Forgive me. Um, So a traditional network usually has something like a star topology. So each user connects to, say, a router. Then that router connects to, say, an internet gateway or to another switch, or to another router, etc. Okay, so in that sort of idea, there's a single point of failure. So if something happens to that router, that switch, at the heart of your network, your network goes down, by definition. With a mesh network, it's different. And the way that they're doing this particular mesh, and you may have heard of mesh networking in the context of your own personal wireless LAN. Um, You've got the Eero devices. You've got, um, like, mesh networking was a buzzword for about five years in the Wi-Fi space. So you would set up various access points through your home. Some of them would function as repeaters from your central from your central hub, but it would create a single network. Very cool, very convenient when it worked. So this is taking that idea and blowing it up into something close to a citywide thing which, strictly speaking, would be something more like a municipal area network or a MAN, okay? So this mesh network uses directional beamed, directionally beamed Wi-Fi radios to communicate from node to node. So if one node goes down, 
others will kind of pick up the pick up the pieces and make sure that there's not an outage which makes it very resilient versus your typical standard network with an ISP such as Connor is dealing with right now with his AT&T fiber connection um for weeks now it's been spotty now I'm not saying that some sort of municipal mesh network would completely solve that issue. Because, like I said earlier, with the whole uh, star shield or whatever, um, the Starlink military communications thing from way in the beginning of the show, the latency issues, the inherent... Uh, weaknesses of radio communications because that's what Wi-Fi is it's radio communications it's RF essentially high band but it's RF so think of it like the radio in your car or broadcast TV all right so think of it think of it that way. And so if the station goes down, what the station was broadcasting goes down. That's what and if there's interference, and often there is when you're dealing with point-to-point wireless networking. And Yeah, it it gets it gets dicey. And as I said earlier, if you're working with pardon me, if you're doing something that's very latency sensitive, such as online gaming, say you're playing it say you're an esports player. You like to play Team Fortress or Call of Duty or, you know, fill in the blank with the esports title, right? If your light- latency spikes, all of a sudden you go from smooth gameplay to you got headshotted in the space of time that it took for your machine to catch up with the rest of the players because there was a latency spike in your connection. Okay. Or say you're on a very sensitive business video call. And all of a sudden you have a latency spike. You were just on the brink of signing the biggest contract of your life. But then there was a latency spike and your And it completely borks your efforts. Like you missed something crucial. And the and the company that you were trying to partner with decided, eh, maybe not. Because you inadvertently offended them. Because you missed a nuance. 
because your internet connection went <clears throat> now given in our world that that last bit is probably less likely because everybody knows how inconsistent these things are you expect it to be consistent but it's not and it's not likely to ever be with wireless that's why like i was saying earlier that's why you hardline into your internet connection if you're going to be streaming or and that's the best way to do video calls of any kind is through a hardline connection because it's going to be more stable truth does it kind of suck sure but that's the way it is so yeah anyway so back to NYC mesh. And I like this idea. I really do. Like, this is freaking awesome. It's volunteer-run community networking. And what they do is when you set up a rooftop receiver and retransmitter, because that's how mesh networking works, you get the signal, you get the signal from another node, you pull it into your own router, set up your own network at home, and then forward the connection to another rooftop node. This is cool. And honestly, that's kind of how Wi-Fi works. Um, Wi-Fi access points are basically like hubs. They're kind of brainless. I mean, not so much as they used to be, but in comparison with a full-on router, wired router, or, you know, level three, um, or level three, level three switch, for instance. Sorry, I've been studying Network Plus. Um, so this stuff is kind of floating around in my head, and I haven't had much opportunity to talk to anybody about it, so it's kind of coming out right now. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, it's, and because it basically functions as a, as a repeater, along with being able to siphon some of that data into your own private network, your own home network, your own business network. Now, given, remember, latency is going to be an issue here because it's essentially wire, it's essentially long range Wi-Fi. And if you have if you have Wi-Fi at home, you know it can be spotty in places. Maybe you've got really thick walls between where you want to use your computer and, or your TV or your game console or whatever and where your router is or where your closest access point is if you want to do things wirelessly. Okay. And you notice that things just don't work well. Well, that's because Wi-Fi, again, demands ideally a line of sight between device and, well, between devices, so that it can serve that data more reliably. 
And especially as we get into higher and higher frequency bands, Wi-Fi 5, Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi 7, we're getting into the, into the area where walls are becoming a major problem, especially if you live in an old building, which a lot of these in New York City are. And you see this, you see this sort of issue with millimeter wave 5G, where it gets attenuated if there's too much moisture in the air, much less going through a tree or your window or a wall, which is why I'm like with Connor and with my wife, they get very nervous about 5G. And I'm not saying that there's nothing to be nervous about, but I don't think that most of the 5G rollout is anything to be super concerned about. The millimeter wave stuff, sure, but that stuff gets absorbed like nothing. Because the because at that high a frequency, and we're talking about like 20 gigahertz frequency bands for millimeter wave. So that makes the wave form from start to finish roughly a millimeter wide. And the shorter the, <laughs> the shorter the wavelength, the harder it is for it to get through things. Think about audio. This is a not a not quite a one-to-one analogy, but it works. Think about how bass gets propagated through a car stereo. Somebody goes thumping down the street. You don't hear the high end from the car. You hear the bass because the bass goes gets amplified through the metal body of the car and then it's able to travel through things like walls into your home. Okay? That's a really, really, really wide wavelength because the frequency is much lower. We're talking hertz, not kilohertz, megahertz, or gigahertz. Okay? Sorry, that should have been like this. Um, So... What we recognize as bass is like below 200 hertz, generally. I don't know if you realize that. So that's 200 oscillations per second, 200 waves per second. Your computer, your cell phone operates at... Two hundred fifty thousand times that, or thereabouts, because most people are running, you know, somewhere between two and four gigahertz processors in their equipment. So a hertz, that's one cycle per second, right? Then you get into kilohertz, that's a thousand cycles per second. A megahertz is a million cycles per second. A gigahertz. I can't even hope to represent that with my finger, uh, is a billion cycles per second, okay? 
That's why these chips produce so much heat because electrons are moving so fast that they can't help but create a whole lot of heat. Okay. I'm kind of digressing here, but back to the, back to the story itself. All right. This is really cool. And I like the fact that they encourage you to, to set up a guest network, a guest Wi-Fi network. Now, my suggestion with that is don't leave it open because then anybody could, you know, drive by if they're close enough and pick up your guest network and do something nefarious. And then you get in trouble and they don't because they used your IP address. Okay. However, if you close it off, if you say, just give your, your neighbors a QR code that they can scan if they need access to it, that would be, that's downright neighborly. That's very community oriented, which is great. However, this can be, and I'm sure has been abused. They didn't talk about it in the, in the article because they really want to hype it. I mean, the reality is internet access is a crucial aspect of our lives at this point. It's very difficult to get by without it. So NYC mesh, it's stated goal is to serve the underserved. So often that's minority communities in New York city who are often poor and maybe can't afford a broadband connection. So perhaps their kids need to go sit in a fast food parking lot and use the free Wi-Fi. And by the way, don't do that if you're not using a VPN because you never know who else is on that network and what nonsense they could slip into your system, especially if you're using Windows. But I digress. So this is designed and it covers a good chunk of New York City at this point. They've been working on it for something like 10 years. Um, it's a really cool idea. And they say that they'll never disconnect somebody for missing a payment. And it's dirt cheap, guys. It's like 10 bucks a month. Um, so they... And they don't say anything about the speed or the latency, the, the quality of the connections, but it's available. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, and they make a big deal about how NYC mesh doesn't gather user data, which yes, thank you. This. This is something that mainstream ISPs need to take, sit up and take notice of, because if they stopped trying to monetize your traffic, we wouldn't really need VPNs as much. Okay. That's one of the main reasons that VPNs are a thing aside from, you know, corporate applications. 
And with those sorts of corporate, corporate, corporate applications, pardon my tripping tongue, um, with those sorts of things, it makes it, well, those sorts of VPNs make it so that you can access things in the office when you're away from the office, as though you were in the office. Okay. That's what corporate VPNs are for. Uh, and that's how, you know, remote working works. You, you connect to the central office VPN and you're able to print things and file share and all that sort of stuff as though you were in their office. Now, private use VPNs, those are more about security. Those are more about privacy versus just convenience. And I wish Connor were on with me, but he's not. Um, he could wax eloquent about this for quite a while, I'm sure and could make it make more sense than I can right now. Because he is quite the proponent of VPNs. And, you know, if you guys want to take a look at docs for this, there's a, there's a link in the description. Um, and it's actually really cool how they do this. Um, they suggest using relatively cheap TP-Link routers. Um, and, and they also suggest that you use DNS filtering and a VPN when you're on there. If you... Oh, yeah. You, if you're doing this, think of it as though you're on public Wi-Fi. Think of it as though you're on the Wi-Fi at Starbucks. If you wouldn't want Joe Blow Hacker getting at easy access to, say, your debit card information, I wouldn't suggest doing any shopping while you're on one of those public Wi-Fi networks, unless you're using a, a good VPN. What do I mean by good VPN? Well. A good VPN is one that keeps zero logs. Ideally one that is running RAM drives. So if power is cut, there's no data left. So one of those VPNs gets raided or gets subpoenaed for something. They've got, they literally have nothing. Uh, this is one of the reasons that Connor loves Mulvad. And I can't blame him. Mulvad is pretty awesome. Uh, they also don't keep any personal information about their clients. Um, you could pay in cash if you wanted to, though they're based in Sweden, so that's kind of a that's kind of inconvenient. Um, or in Bitcoin, which famously can't be tracked, well, as easily. So it, it gives you one more layer of obscurity. And privacy by obscurity is a thing, though it shouldn't be your only thing. Anyway, so yeah, that's... Uh, 
is this internet for all? Could this spread elsewhere in the US? Maybe. Are there things that need to be worked out? Absolutely. I mean, there are other major cities that have similar mesh networks. Philly, Portland, LA. The one in LA, I mean, there's almost no community here in LA, which is sad. Um, uh-oh, I just outed myself. Yeah, I live in LA County. Anyway, um, yeah, you guys, it's, it's messy. It's messy. Um, I wish it weren't. I wish the, I wish the scenario were better. I really do. It would be cool if that had really taken off. But the problem was they were trying to launch it right as Convid hit. <laughs> and with, with a community volunteer-based sort of organization structure, uh, you're not going to get people willing to chance things, at least not in LA, for the most part, during Convid. So it sort of died on the vine. I, I wish that weren't the case. Um, but, and it's like, it, it's a great idea, but only if you're only doing browsing. Because like I was saying earlier, if you're stuck in was essentially a giant Wi-Fi network. And then you add another layer of Wi-Fi on top of it. Your latency is going to suck. It's going to be terrible. And that's what you're going to feel. It's going to feel less responsive if you're if you hit a latency spike. Now they're they're trying to mitigate that. They're trying to get um, pardon me. Anyway, they're trying to get things set up so that it's more doable. Okay. But like they're they're trying to run basic fiber connections between some of the nodes, which would alleviate a lot of that latency issue. But how are they going to get permits for a volunteer organization in NYC, which last I checked is about as socialist a city as we have here in the United States. Um, yeah. Certain people group. Lots of them there. Anyway, um, yeah. So that can only do so much because they're they're not going to have the resources to run fiber lines between all their nodes. That's just not going to happen. Um, if for no other reason than the mainline ISPs don't want them to do it, because they see this as an existential threat. Maybe they should. Maybe they really should. Like, it's... It's no joke. Th these people have... Kind of have it together. 
and it's a way to give to fly the bird at Verizon, at Comcast, at AT and T, fill in the blank, ISP, right? Which I'm kind of all for because these companies are too big for their own good. And yeah, they provide a service, but it winds up being less than ideal for its users, especially when you live in a building where for whatever reason, they can't run fiber to it. Even if you live in Metro LA, like they won't even run traditional cable to the buildings where I live. So if I was doing hardline internet, I would be stuck with AT&T Uverse DSL. Oh, I wouldn't be able to stream. It, it couldn't happen. Now, of course I could upload videos very slowly and I can't imagine an hour and a half long video upload. Mm -mm, that wouldn't work. <laughs> it would time out. So I would probably be reduced to just doing a podcast, which fine. And to those of you who listen to the podcast, thank you and welcome. And I think that's where I'm going to wrap it. So thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't ever forget. Let's go, Brandon. Never forget that. You know, like, subscribe, share, comment, all that sort of good stuff. Drop me a line via email, media at techfreedom.pro. I don't have Connor here to give me a hard time about it. I know. Fogey me. I'm only 35. Anyway, and the music, as always, is Warzone by Anna Domini Beats. Um, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I will see you guys again next week.